We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. 68 After Dark, Tuesday night edition. And yes, you're right. These sickos made me hop on this stream while Michigan clings to a four-point lead against a top-five team in the country. Tune in for the next 60 minutes to see me either melt down or explode in happy tears. We'll see where it goes. We are powered by the good folks at Bet Rivers. You can listen to us on the Sirius XM app. Watch us on the YouTube channel, Field of 68. I'm Greg Waddell. We've got Rob Doster. We've got Terrence Oglesby. And we've got the United States advancing out of the group stage in the World Cup into knockouts. Gentlemen, it's a great day to be an American. It's a great day to be a college basketball fan. And I'm just happy to be here with you. T.O., how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm a little disappointed uh, Doster didn't bust out his own rendition of God Bless America, but that's okay. Uh, good win for Team USA. They're, they advance. That's great news. And then uh, a couple of wins for the ACC that I think a lot of people didn't pick. A lot of people didn't pick. I'm pretty happy about it. That being said, still going to be tough sledding as we move on through the rest of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But happy to be here as always, gentlemen. Yeah, if this Michigan score holds, your whole uh, Big Ten sucks. Um, the ACC is actually really good. Take is gonna not going to hold a lot of water because you have the most experienced team in T.O.'s favorite conference is getting dropped on the road by a team that got 30-pieced by Arizona State. Oof. Okay. All right. Oof. We're still going to see how this goes. Oof. We're still going to see how this goes because I'm not sure which way Greg's betting. So like we have to. No, we know what exactly. we know which way Greg's betting, which is the beautiful part of this. I, I, we can <laughs> we can say that for when we get to the end of it's a close game. We can we can let the people in on uh, on where Greg's money is sitting currently in, at Bet Rivers. So the money is sitting somewhere. We'll say that. Surely nobody on this program bet Virginia to beat Michigan and Penn State to beat Clemson today. But you know what, gentlemen, let's move on. I'm holding a nice little seltzer here. I'd love to give a toast. And I'd love to hear you two give a toast. Rob, why don't you kick us off tonight? Who are you toasting to? Simple enough, man. Captain America, Christian Pulisic. Uh, you got the Team USA uh, practice jersey on over there. I went nuts in my house all by myself uh, when he scored that goal. 
Um, I offered to uh, send my own nuts over to him so that he could, you know, finish playing the game after he got need scoring a goal. He You're sacrificed his uh, own testicles. Yeah. For he, Team he sac- USA. That's a real American right there. That's a real American. He sacrificed his boys for us boys. So that's what I'm, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with. So Christian Pulisic cheers to you, even though you are, uh, you are a Chelsea blue. I still, uh, I still love you, man. And that was awesome. That was an awesome moment. Let's go team USA, cheers. baby. Team USA, there it is. I got my uh, Iron Man Cup here. I'm cheersing to the best game of the night because I had my daughter sleeping on my chest, Penn State, Clemson, and I'm cheersing to both head coaches because there was a lot of good stuff drawn up at the end of overtime, at the end of regulation. Uh, both Shrewsbury and Brad Brownell, that, that it was a great game to watch. And if you're a college hoops nut that really looks at the X's and O's, that was a clinic by both guys. Uh, Penn State just found ways to get to the free throw line, which is something they don't usually do, but they did it that exceptionally well tonight. And Hunter Tyson had all 24 of his points in the second half. Uh, we, we were talking off air. Guys, this was a guy that had one other scholarship offer, and it was Davidson. And he has worked his way into becoming a really good college player. I'm pretty happy right now. I got I got my letter I got my letter my seed letter right here I'm wearing it with pride tonight boys that was a really fun game to watch but cheers goes to both of those two coaches they did an excellent job it was a hell of a game man double overtime you can never complain about that and so, yeah we bank in three I'm gonna say college basketball fans everywhere we wasted an Andrew Funk banked in buzzer beater three like that just gets swept away we never talk about it again TL it's a shame that's right it's a shame. Uh, that's a good one, T.O. I was locked into that game. As you know, I thought Penn State would win. Didn't happen. I have a different game from this ACC Big Ten Challenge, and it's going to be a nice segue into our first segment on the show. But uh, there's a certain figure who, you know, took to a podium not too long ago and had the audacity to look cameras in the eyes and say, and I quote, well, the Big Ten sucks. That would be Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim. <laughs> well, Jim, how'd that go tonight? You didn't even play the best team in the Big Ten, Jim, and you got ran out of the building. My friend, drink responsibly tonight, Jim. I'll be drinking with you. Cheers. And Jim is extraordinarily likable if this is your first time going uh getting <laughs> you, to talk with Hey, the, you missed Beheim. you missed it. You missed an unbelievable opportunity with all of those gyms to say, and Jim got run out. Oh, yeah, that's you missed it. You missed it. It was a layup. I was waiting for it. Listen, I'm trying to spare our listeners of too many obvious puns in the first 10 minutes of the show because you were going with the nuts thing. You went nuts at home (laughs) watching the Pulisic goal. So, you know what? I have enough respect for our highbrow listeners out there, Rob. Uh, Let's let's just jump right in, though. Illinois Syracuse to me is the result of the night. Uh, I think everybody thinks. We know that Illinois is a very good basketball team this year. We don't know how great they are. Uh, and I don't know that you're going to prove how great you are in a game against this Syracuse roster, but a 30-point blowout dominant win where one of your best players puts up a triple-double is a pretty good place to start. That would be Coleman Hawkins, who we are talking about. Syracuse only made 14 field goals this entire game. Odd game. Rob, what do you make of this? Uh, does this change anything about how you view this Syracuse team? Uh, how I view Syracuse? Um, not really. I didn't think that they were very good uh, to begin with. I just, you know, their best player is Judah Mintz. He can't shoot. 
Uh, Joe Girard is the guy that can shoot that literally can't do anything else. All you got to do is put an athlete on him. You completely take him out of the game. Hey, how about uh, the fact that Bayheim said he was going to average 25 a game this year and only played 20 minutes and went over three today? Yeah. Yeah. It's not you like can that's take a him out of the game. The issue, the issue they ran into with him was what Illinois can do defensively, where they just switch everything and throw, you know, athletes at you and throw bodies at you. And, you know, I, Brad Underwood really has those dudes playing hard. It, it's, it, it reminds me a lot of the teams that he had when he was at like Stephen F. Austin and the team that he had when he was at Oklahoma State that one year where um, they they I mean, they switch everything. They're going to get out and guard you. They they don't care if they switch into mismatches. Right. They had uh, there were there were times where they'd switch and let Jesse Edwards front or I'm sorry, let Sky Clark front Jesse Edwards and just say, yeah, go ahead. You want to throw it into him? We'll see what happens. We'll we'll, we'll take that risk. And, uh, you know, as as. As much as I enjoy as a UConn fan seeing Syracuse struggle, it's just I don't think it's good for the sport when Syracuse is this bad. Right. No, like that's that's agreed. a good that's a huge, passionate, insane fan base that loves the orange. They'll put thirty eight thousand people in half of a football dome to watch a, a, a Tuesday night basketball game against a, a, a non conference opponent when when they're good. Right. And they're just not very good right now. They're sitting at three and four in the season. They lost to Bryant and, you know, Jim Beheim went after uh, Jared Grasso. They lost to St. John's in overtime. They lost to Colgate earlier this year. It's just not, it's just not going well. So I, I don't, I don't know what to make from it. But I mean, I think a lot of that TO had to do with how good Illinois is this season. Well, that and how many dynamic dudes that Illinois has this year and multi-positional guys that they have this year, that is a nightmare recipe for Syracuse's 2-3 zone. So we can start right there. Coleman Hawkins in the middle of that zone, and he's picking everybody apart, ends up with a triple-double. It's ridiculous. Like, how good was he? So, and on top of that, they blow them out, and Sky Clark goes over 10. Whew. So, like, they have pieces everywhere. Syracuse just isn't very good right now. The only guy, Edwards... He goes for nine and 17 boards, and he's a one-man wrecking crew in there. Outside of that, they're young. They're figuring each other out. One of their guys that they're relying on to score can't jump over a phone book. And it's like and, and people who don't know what a phone book is, because we, we were way past that, about, about four inches high. That's how big that book was. That's how he big that book over, was. He, he can't jump over a Coke can right now. You know what really stood out to me about this game is that huh? I thought, I thought Illinois – missed a lot of open looks, right? I, I felt like they got a lot of open threes in that game. They finished 11 for 39 from beyond the arc. 39 threes, they shot 28%. And like Syracuse was never really in the game, right? They no. had a little bit of a foothold at the start of the uh, start of the first half, but it all like Illinois was always in control and they played pretty poorly, I think, on the offensive end of the floor. I think that's fair to say. At least they missed a lot of shots that they probably could have made. And I, that that says everything to me about what Syracuse is. And then at the end, you got a little bit of a run, and it kind of felt like Syracuse quit. Is that fair? To, like, the, is that is that? Going that's what, but strong? that's what's going to happen when you have a bunch of young players like that. Like they're playing. You're getting a lot your of ass kicked guys, on the road man. in Champagne. You got a bunch of people in the wrong shade of orange screaming profanities at you, which I'm sure that those uh, those fans were screaming. So it, it's. I mean, I know one thing I can say, Greg, for sure, is that uh, is that our producer Trevor is thoroughly enjoyed uh that performance oh absolutely i mean how could you not right and it's good to see producer trevor happy you know we put a lot on his plate here and there he needs a win every now and then and he got one tonight but <laughs> uh look I, I i'm box score watching with you and actually we're gonna bring in the biggest box score stuffer right now that's illinois forward coleman hawkins coleman you are live on the field of 68 after dark it's good to see you my friend mr triple double tonight 
15, 10 and 10. How's it feel? Uh, it feels great. Um, you know, uh, the moment was great. Um, the history behind it is, it just feels great to be a part of that history. Uh, it, it, it feels, feels great. You know, it, like coach Underwood talked about it. It's not, it's not easy doing stuff like that. So it, it feels, uh, feels like a great, great accomplishment for me. Colin, I need a, I need a moment of honesty from you here. Okay. Are you buying your teammates dinner after they let you get those last couple of rebounds? So you can get that triple double. Um, if if I can uh, get a possible NIL deal going at a restaurant, uh, we'll make it happen. Now those guys, those guys know I love them. Uh, you know, if, if something does happen, I, I might I might have to treat my guys because they help me out a lot. So I might have to might have to treat them uh, to something. We'll see. It's like a quarterback taking out his offensive line, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Hey, Coleman, what was it about Syracuse's 2-3 zone? It's a bit of a funky zone, right? They flashed the wings up high, and you were still able to find guys. I mean, not only that, but you have so many different guys who can make shots on that team. What was it that you saw whenever you're able to get it in the high post to make those reads? Yeah, I saw, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I wasn't even being guarded. Uh, I was aware of that. You know, people were telling me to shoot the ball, but, you know, I wanted to get the ball popping a few times, uh, make them move. Uh, you know, they want quick shots. They want, you know, um, they, they want us to shoot quick shots, fast shots. Uh, so I just I wanted to get the ball popping a lot. You know, I saw a lot of gaps. Uh, uh, you know, once I got catches at the high post, they kind of went to a man in, in a way they kind of fanned out. Um, so sometimes the top of the key would be open, you know, pitch back threes. Um, but I think just being patient uh, in that high post area was a big key. Uh being patient and, and pivoting and, and just seeing all your options. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm just looking out the corner of my eye uh, and it's a quick pass or it's a little dump off, something like that. But just really moving them, uh, being patient in that in that uh, middle area of the zone was was it was very successful. So. Coleman, we talked to you a little bit in the summer on our sleeper show, and I remember asking you about Kofi Coburn's leaving. Right. Like it, this make no mistake it felt like it was Kofi's team last year and I remember you told us like the special thing about this group is that it can be anyone's team like it's our team we've got a bunch of dudes who play positionless basketball any given night it can be a different guy and I think through a month like we've had a game where Terrence Shannon makes eight threes we've had a game tonight where you have a triple double so I rolled my eyes at you in the summer I'm not gonna lie nobody's rolling their eyes now do you feel like that's really the case? Like, can it be anybody on your team's team? Is this you and Terrence's team? What's it feel like? No, I think uh, anybody can have a great night. You know, Sky had a great night the other night. RJ uh, had great nights. Um, you know, RJ didn't play damn near the whole uh, first half. He comes in the second half and gives us a huge boost with his shooting. I think it could be anybody's night on this team. You know, Dane, you know, the list goes on. Uh, Matt, it could be Matt's night. Um, for sure. It, it's just, and I think it's only going to get better because uh, we're going to start connecting more, uh, just watching a lot of film, limiting turnovers, and just being on the same page. I think I think it's really going to help us as well. But uh, if I'm being honest, like you said, I think it really can be anybody's night. It, it doesn't always have to be one single person. You know, Kofi was always an automatic 20 and 10, uh, but I think it's just going to be different from everybody uh, each night. So, yeah, for sure.
Cole, when you guys are getting out and guarding for 94 feet, you're switching everything. You're, you're ball hawking defensively. It's been really impressive to watch. What has uh, Daddy Brad done to kind of get you guys playing at that level defensively? Uh, he's just been harping on us about the press. Like, uh, sometimes, you know, I'm at the top of the key, like trying to pass the ball, distribute, and uh shot goes up and, you know, I'm, I'm running back or uh, I'm not crashing the glass. He's just, it's really just, you know, he wants us to get on the offensive glass rebound and that will set us up into our press. But, uh, you know, I think with every Illinois team, the energy and the effort is always going to be talked about. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of were held back uh, uh, for about two or three years. Uh, just defensively, uh, we couldn't do a lot. But this this year's team, we can do a lot more. Uh, we can do a whole bunch of different things. Uh, so I think with combining that with energy and effort and then just kind of a randomness, it's 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 great stuff. You know, it gets guys tired. You know, some teams are playing seven, eight guys. We play 10, 10, 11, you know, um, and we just go out, play hard and, you know, wear teams out. So. Well, we congratulate you, Coleman. We thank you so much for jumping in with us after your big night tonight. And uh, I think we speak for Illinois fans everywhere. You got a pretty damn good team, my friend. We'll be watching for you the rest of the year. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. See you in New York, Coleman. Yes, sir. Thanks, Thank Coleman. You. See you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Field of 68 After Dark, we bring the biggest stars of the night on the show. That's what we just had with Coleman Hawkins. And uh, we're hoping we may be joined by another guest in just a few short moments here. Drum roll, please. We'll see. I believe we've got somebody in the waiting room. Uh, but, up, oh, look at this. Moment of truth. All right, here we go. Sir. Look at this. <laughs> Welcome on to the show. How Appreciate are you. Doing? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. So fresh off of a 26-point victory against one of the best teams in the country, I think, in everybody's minds, the Baylor Bears. Tell me what you saw tonight. Like, what led to this type of result in blowout fashion for you guys? Uh, We just didn't back down from You know, we came up with a mindset of, I mean, y'all can play. We can play, too. Uh, we on the court with y'all. Uh, we belong. We can beat anybody in the country. Uh, just coming out with just with that approach, you know, uh, we, we're not going to back down from it. Hey, Cam, man, we're, a lot of people, including myself, knew you were going to have a big year, but it wasn't just you tonight, man. Like you had 20 Omax uh, surprising some people tonight with 24 and then Joplin coming off the bench with 19. Like whenever you guys have that many people scoring, uh, who in the Big East is going to be able to play with you? Uh, my opinion, nobody. <laughs> I like uh, it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Now, let me ask you this, too. Tyler Kulik, he's kind of the guy that makes it all work for you. you. You're spotting up. You're obviously creating some looks for yourself. But what's it like playing with a point guard like him that it just – he had 11 assists tonight. And that's kind of a reoccurring theme. Like, you can create your own offense, but he puts you in spots to be great, too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's, 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 I can't explain how much fun and know how easy he makes things. Uh Man, I feel like me and him, we've really uh, built, like, a bond and a chemistry. Like, most of the times he hit me, like, I know ahead of time he's coming to me. So, I mean, just having that relationship with him, I just helps him be more ready when he has the ball. Uh, I mean, like you say, he's a great player, great point guard, great facilitator. Uh, 
I wouldn't want anybody else uh, being my point guard. Hey, let me. Well, I got one more question, guys. I'll let you go. Did you? How much Tennessee did you bring with you up to Marquette? That's my I'm, big thing, right there. Because I'm a fellow <laughs> Tennessee, all of Tennessee guy. with me. I brought all of that with me. Uh, you know, I'm proud of where I'm come from. Proud of man, I've become proud of uh, what I've been through. So uh, I'm not gonna change that. I'm in another state. Bring your Tennessee with me. I like uh, it. Yeah, Cam, he's he's from Tennessee, if you couldn't tell. We hear about that every single time that we do this show. We call him Tennessee T.O. Hey, um, he knows. He knows. Yeah, he, he, yeah, I'm sure you could figure that out. Uh, all right, so we Baylor, number 16 in the country, shot 48% from the floor, went 9 for 24 from three, and got hit uh, with a 26-point loss in your building. I think a lot of that had to do with what you guys did defensively tonight. You forced 16 turnovers in the first half, 20 for the game. Shaka's known for, like, he was famous for Havoc when he was at VCU, and you guys aren't necessarily doing just that but what what kind of what kind of impact and, and how has he gotten you guys playing that way defensively what is it about him that inspires people to to really showcase themselves on that end uh, he's really a player's coach uh i mean he's not he doesn't think he's too cool for anything so i mean if, you're, if your head coach has that mindset i mean you have to uh plan for him you know uh he's coached for a long time he knows what he's talking about uh, i mean we just follow his lead uh we're behind him. We want to play for anybody else. And his impact is is huge, uh, you know, from especially from the defensive standpoint. Uh, we we have to play defense to be on the floor. That goes for everybody, the whole roster. So, I mean, just having that mentality every day and uh, how we battle and practice against each other, it's only right we take it out on our opponent. So, David Joplin, 19 points off the bench. When you have – I mean, we kind of know, like, what, what you're going to get from Omax, right? And we know what we're going to get from you. When you get that kind of impact from someone that's subbing into the game, when you get that kind of instant offense, the 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 microwave kind of score coming in, how does that how does that change the the threat that you guys are? I mean, it changes dramatically. Uh, you know, we all know Jop can score. Uh, so, you know, when he comes in the game, we're looking for him to get open. You're looking for him to score. Uh, I mean, him scoring opens me up, opens old Max up, Tyler, Stevie, everybody. So, you know, just having that trust in him to just come in and do what he does. I mean, that, that goes a long way. So T.O. predicted in the preseason that you were going to be the leading scorer in the Big East. Are you going to you going to make that happen for him? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go out every game, take good shots, make good shots, uh, just play my game. You know, if that happens, then I'm there for it. I appreciate that, though, T.O. <laughs> hey, you, know, you know Tennessee guys stick together, baby. I Got to, always. This is too much Tennessee love for me. I'm sorry. I can't handle it. I respect it, Cam. Trust me. After what you did tonight, I especially respect that. I might have to study up on what Tennessee ball really means. Uh, one question for me. When I think of Shaka Smart teams, I think of toughness defensively, obviously. But I also think of great guards. I think of guys that Shaka gives a lot of trust to. And I think watching you last year to watching you early this season, it feels like your role has taken on a lot more responsibility within that. Do you feel a difference between sort of what you were asked to do for this team last year to your role this season? Uh, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> this all season, like in the spring, he had everyone going to his office to uh, discuss what the role was going to be for, for the upcoming season. Um, obviously, with Justin leaving, you know, we had a little hole on offense that we needed to fill. Uh, so, you know, I worked hard all, all season. Uh, you know, he just always tells me, to be ready and like you said that trust that he has in me that that just gives me a lot of confidence in myself to know that I mean my coach wants me to do this my coach wants me to take shots he wants me to play with my teammates so uh that and all the um offseason work that I put in really is that's really the main factor in it
There's nothing well, better for a scorer than hearing a, a coach say, we need you to shoot more, right? Zach, is that the best feeling in the world? Yeah, it is. When he tells you, uh, like he tells me all the time, like, it's like, you, you're playing all right, but you have so much more in you. I want to I want to bring it out of you. I mean, that just, that makes me like, let's go. It really gives me confidence to have a coach like that and someone that I have genuine love for, a genuine relationship with that just truly believes in me. Well, it's, it's funny, like when I played for Shaka, when I mm -hmm. played for Shaka, he was like, I can't believe you're able to give all this. Like, I, I like he was just like he was shocked that I did anything well. So, like, <laughs> that just talks about the talent you have and how little I had. So that's important that we talk about that a little bit. Tio uh, was the first guy. Tio was the only guy where Shaka was like, hey, man, look, you're doing a little too much. OK, we need you. To <laughs> that's exactly right. We need you to take a step back. Yeah. Tio, somehow that has carried with you from Shaka Smart now to Waka Flocka Flame, my friend. It's just something about you. People are shocked when you, when you play well on the You already I don't know. Get it. Well, like Cam, crew league uh, champs, boys, champs. Cam, it certainly paid off for you tonight, man. We enjoyed watching it. Congrats on the huge win, and good luck the rest of the season, man. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Thanks, Cam. No problem. Appreciate you, Scott. Yeah. That's uh that's Marquette SID Scott Kikendell right there. Scott, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on the show, my man. <laughs> I thought you guys were just average tonight. Let's try to be better. <laughs> Thoroughly. Hey, clip that. Clip that. See you guys. See ya. <laughs> Listen, man, you gotta respect it. You gotta respect yeah. it. You gotta you absolutely gotta respect it from Scott, man. Uh, oh, man, I, look, I, we, I, I, I did a poor job of setting that up there. That was Cam Jones, Marquette guard. He had a monster night tonight. And uh, let's just jump right into that game, right? Because I think, you know, everybody has respect for what Scott Drew's got at Baylor. Everybody has respect for this roster. And we did this last year with Marquette early in the season. We spent a month and a half being like, is this for real? Are we sure about this? Right. And they were a streaky team. And I'm not even saying we were wrong last year by the end of it. But what I am saying is through this year, I mean, they went toe to toe with Purdue, who some people have number one in the country and gave them a closer game than we've seen Gonzaga mm -hmm. and Duke do. And now here they are running Baylor off the floor, which I don't think anybody saw coming tonight. So, T.L., let's go to you first here. Was this result an indicator of where Marquette can be this season? Or was this more about Baylor just laying an egg? Hey, th let's just say this. Baylor didn't play well. Uh, I, I think that goes without saying. They turn the ball over way too much. Whenever you have guards like that, you would expect they're going to turn. They're going to take care of it. This was Baylor's first true road game in a ridiculous environment. But if you go down and you look at Marquette's schedule, you have to like what you see. Five-point loss to Purdue. And then the only other loss is a three-point loss to Mississippi State. And my main man, Tolu who's, Smith. Who's good. Who's good. They're good. Like the, we, we can laugh about Mississippi State and we can make jokes about T.O. loving Tolu Smith. Yeah. But for people that don't get that joke, uh, T.O. said that if Drew Timmy played in the SEC, he'd be Tolu Smith. That's yeah, And now Tolu <laughs> Smith has been MVP of almost every game Mississippi State played. But I digress. We're not talking about Mississippi State and Chris Jans's turnaround project down there in Starkville. We're talking about Marquette. But you look at it. I'm, I'm sold on their upside. I want to say that. Are, are we going to be completely sold on their consistency? I think that's a big thing. They have played well against good teams. Uh, are they going to win uh, consistently these big games and other big tests against a pretty decent Wisconsin team that's going to make them play a completely different tempo coming up on Friday? Yeah, that's Wisconsin going to be took a loss tonight, by the way. They just lost to Wake Forest. Steve Forest. Ooh, ACC, what's happening? I, I'm so yeah, lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say this about Marquette. Uh, this is this is the start of a long build, right? 
So, like, go out and celebrate this win because this was awesome. This was a dominant performance. This was a statement performance. Um, I think that I don't think that Marquette is as good as they as they played tonight. I don't think that Baylor is as poor as bad as they played tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that I am buying the idea of Marquette being a uh, a top four team in the Big East, good enough to finish. Like I, I think that if you look at the tiers of the Big East, it's UConn and Creighton at the top, right? And then I think that there's um, then it's Providence and change. Who am I missing? Who's the who's the third best team? Why am I blanking? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, Creighton, UConn are the two. Creighton, I don't know. UConn, oh, Xavier, Xavier. Xavier. I'm an, I'm Xavier. an idiot with, with Sean Miller. I'm an, yeah. So it's are Creighton, we, we're, are we Are we giving Xavier that third spot like that, though? Yeah, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying what is, I'm I think saying. Xavier, like, it's still year one for Sean Miller, and yeah. we're just handing them a top three. I'm not handing them a top three spot. I think I feel like we have been though. more about. I feel it, like we have been. You no, know, it says more about what the rest of the Big East is, right? Like yeah. we've seen Xavier go out and play well. They haven't won the games, and they have to eventually right. win the games. Like Marquette won the game tonight, right? But we've seen them play well, and they've looked good on paper. They look good on the eye test. So you can kind of like buy into the talent and buy into the coaching and say, I I can see a way they can become really good, right? With everybody else, it's like, okay, we got to trust that Andre Corbello and Posh Alexander are going to figure it out. Okay, we got to trust that Ed Cooley is going to get these guys to a place where they are a tournament team by the end of the year because I don't think like right now they're good enough to be a tournament team. Whereas with Marquette, like, you see them play. You see the way that Omax can space the floor and pull people away from the basket. You see the impact that uh, the Igadaro was having, the shooting that they have. Tyler Kolick, man, like he was getting so many guys open shots. And the fact yeah. that they can do things defensively, like this is, to me, this is a, a tournament team, a borderline top 25 team, and a team that is right in the mix in the top four of the Big East. And I think that after seeing this performance tonight, you got to put them – put them above St. John's, put them above Providence, put them above the schlock at the bottom and say that they're right there. Like the, the second tier is probably Xavier and Marquette to me. Is that fair? Now that you let me finish my point, and I actually remember that Xavier was a basketball team that still played in the Big East instead of blanking on it. <laughs> I hey, think that's thing fair. Too much, too much of this, man. Yeah. Hey, another another thing too, Tyler Kolick, we talk about how good he is. Like he's shooting 42, above 42% from three this year. That wasn't the case last year. He was piss poor from beyond the arc. And he's fixed some things. Like last year, he was 28% through seven games this year. He's 42%. Like that opens things up for him big time. Being Shaka able saw to, that coming too. Like Shaka talked about that with us at the Big East, uh, Big East Media Day, T.O. He did. He did. So, I mean, that that obviously opens some things up. But it, 
if Omax Prosper turns into the Omax Prosper that a lot of people think he can be, like he's been all potential, no production so far throughout his college career. If we see more of this today, like he's a really, really good player with good size who can step out and shoot it. It's just that he hasn't been consistent. It's all been potential-based. Now you see one against a really good Baylor team, and then it's like, okay, we might be cooking with something. Might be cooking with some peanut oil here. Like he, If he's that, he's a big-time addition for them. Yeah, and shout-out to Sean Jones, too. Like That dude is uh, – he's, he's electric, man. Like He can't be taller than about 5'9", but that dude can fly. He can yeah. get up and down the floor. Like When you think of Shaka Smart teams, you think about dudes like that that are just going to climb up in you and be a pest and be annoying. He seems like a really annoying dude to play basketball against. Yeah. yeah. You know who he reminds me? He reminds me of a guy that Shocker recruited to Clemson that I played with named Andre Young. Yeah, I'm Andre right. Young was about 5'9", was a really good player at Clemson, exact same way. Big, strong, bulky guy, fast as lightning, and just found ways to get under people's skin. And he is that. Yep. Am, am I allowed to say this, guys? Because if we're all going to buy in – I'll play devil's advocate. Oh, boy. Isn't this just first half of the season, Shaka? Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Isn't this just the same thing we've seen for 10 years? How dare you? I mean. Like, it's a resume win. Don't get me wrong. This matters 100%, especially by the time they get to Selection Sunday, if they happen to find themselves with 12, 13 losses, which Shaka smart teams are prone to do every now and then, it's going to matter. And Mm. no one's taking that away because Baylor is a damn good basketball team. But Well, that's that's why I'm saying, like, Generally speaking, right, if you beat a top 16 in the country by 26 points, like we're probably reacting and saying, man, they're top 10. You know, they're Purdue, they're UConn, they're Arizona, they're teams that take that leap in our mind. And I'm not there. I'm saying like we're talking about like this is a a seven to eight seed that had a hell of a night tonight that has a ceiling when they play their best can go out and do things like this. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with it, right? I don't think that that's saying like second half shock or overrating them. Cause I, my biggest point is, and I kind of got sidetracked because, you know, whatever the ADD kicked in, but <laughs> everybody on this roster and, and in this rotation has three more years of eligibility, even the right. guys that are technically juniors, right? Like when Shaka had VCU rolling, he had guys that were fourth and fifth year guys, 22 and 23 year olds that became a family that played together for so long that were in those battles together. It was uh that's what it was. Like he he's he builds culture. Like he's one of those guys. He builds a program, not just a team. And though like this team is going to grow together. So I, I'm 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 bullish on Marquette this season, but I'm very bullish on the program moving forward. Uh, hey, can we talk Baylor real quick. Like I was, I'll, yeah, we could talk Baylor, but we got a minute and a half going. Michigan, yeah. Is oh, I'm watching one. it. They, you got Bentley in the uh, the YouTube chat right now, being like, "Rob, what are you watching? What do you, what do you think I'm watching, Bentley? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you think is on TV right now? Virginia's down by one uh, to Michigan. To well, let's let's let Greg uh, watch this in peace, and me and you can talk Baylor a little bit. Thank so, you. the Bears, I'm I'm pretty concerned, right? They're not guarding. They're, mm. they're not good enough offensively to be a team that's not guarding. We saw Virginia put up 94 on them, right? And Jaden Gardner makes a, a little uh, 16-foot jumper to, to put Virginia up. That's why Greg has this face now. Um, mm. But they're not guarding, and I'm worried about that because I think you can figure things out offensively. I don't know if that group's going to be able to figure things out defensively. I'm with you, but, Greg, I'm sitting here looking at our YouTube chat. You probably need to get back in the middle there. Oh, uh, my God! <laughs> God, I'm Virginia sorry. just scored. That's in no. Way. I'm sorry. Michigan just Llewellyned themselves. Yeah, Michigan oh, just turned the ball over. Who could have seen this coming? 
T.O. is on an unbelievable delay. Yeah, you're about to see it. You're about to see your boy Jalen Llewellyn over. I yeah, mean, they just turnover. They just Reece Beekman, no, hey, Reese Beekman's a dude. I've I've been preaching the Reese the Reese Beekman gospel for a year now, and he's finally here, son. He's mm-hmm. that good. All right, t- take me through your uh, your Baylor take, T.O. No, I, I think it's it's taking a second for those guys to figure each other out. I think that's a big thing. And then on top of that, they've got a couple of forwards that are still trying to figure out how to play off the ball with some of these guards. Bridges was a good player at Virginia Tech. He was only 0 for 1. you got to create some shots for him. He's not a guy that's going to create for himself, but he can't attack a closeout. But especially the last 15 minutes of that game, Baylor's guards were trying to break it down and do it themselves a little bit. Not a huge assist night for them. Uh, 12 assists to 20 turnovers. That's not Baylor basketball. That's not typical. Like a Scott Drew coach team, those guys are getting past that first line of defense. Uh, They're creating the chain of reactions and they're playing freely and they're finding the next best shot. Those guards aren't doing that right now. I feel like Flagler is a little bit of a score first guy. I know he had five assists tonight, but there were some times tonight where he shot it quick and he shot it early in the clock. That's not typically what we see. Uh, Interesting to see how it's going to go going forward. Caleb Lohner has been kind of a non-factor. And at BYU, he was kind of the centerpiece, the passer at the fourth position. He's still learning to play a little bit right now with his new teammates. It, there's a lot of new pieces to this puzzle. Uh, how soon Scott Drew's going to be able to figure out, it's going to be intriguing. But, uh, you know, Keontae George, he hasn't been as good as what I thought he was going to be uh, so far this season. He's still going to have these big games. You guys wait and watch. But he's still got to find out how to play with some of those other ball-dominant guards. they got three ball-dominant guards on the floor at one time. LJ Cryer, Keontae George, and Adam Flagler. So, like, they have to realize, hey, if I get rid of it, I'm going to be able to get it back, and I'm not sure there's that trust there yet. It's going to come because there's nobody better at finding that trust than Scott Drew, but those guys have to trust that if I give it up, I will eventually get it back. Yeah, I think the biggest issue is on the defensive end of the floor with them. I don't think you can play that no-middle defense with this group. And the the major reason I'm saying that is because I think the number one thing that you need when you play that no-middle style of defense is just absolutely, utterly elite on-ball pressure. You need to be able to climb up into people and not let them be able to see. Because right now, I think teams are kind of figuring out ways to beat it, right? Essentially, what it is is whenever the ball gets on one side of the floor, whoever's guarding the ball climbs up basically parallel to the the sideline on the side, forces you to drive baseline. They do that because they can – pre-rotate because they you only have one place to go and they can get to the charge spot they can rotate and take away the pass to the baseline and there's ways teams are figuring out ways to beat that right you don't drive all the way in you take little half drives and you pick out somebody on the other side of the floor you can set screens on the guy that's supposed to be the help defender so you get a free lane to the rim there's things that you can do to beat that uh to beat that defense and it becomes much much easier when you don't have Davion Mitchell when you don't have Macy Oteague when you don't have Mark Vital, when you don't have James Akinja, when you don't have those elite on-ball defenders or elite rim protection, it's it's very difficult to run this. And I think we're seeing that a little bit with Texas Tech this year because Texas Tech is not as good defensively as they've been in the past, and we're seeing it with Baylor. This but there's season. so many new pieces with Texas Tech, so I'm willing to let that slide. Like, we're only about we'll 25% through the season. Like, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Baylor, another point is, Macy Oteague, he was only about 6'3", but he was really long. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are not your prototypical lengthy six five six six defenders that play this no middle defense. Mm-hmm. Like so, guys are able to see over the top of this no middle defense for Baylor, and that's the reason they were able to get so many shots. Another thing is, if you set some stuff out high against that, like, and you're able to get into the middle, 
<laughs> like things open up quick. And so that that's another problem whenever you're watching a Baylor play a team like Marquette with a guy like Tyler Kolick who can get into the middle and is willing to be patient and use a screen back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until he finally gets in there, like you're going to create some problems. But I think their length is a negative this year, especially at that one, two, three with those three mm-hmm. guards. And then it makes it much more difficult to be disruptive because you don't have that length that people are seeing over the top. Yeah, and what I will say is this. I – I trust Scott Drew to kind of figure this thing out. Bingo. Yeah. Of the course. same way that I trust Bill Self to try to, to, to go and figure this thing out. The way that I would trust Tony Bennett to go and figure it out. The way that I would trust any of the elite coaches in college basketball to go and figure it out. So he's going to find a way to make something work. Um, it's just, I think it's going to be have, have to be something different than what they're doing right now, which is the same, the same thing way. As- the same way I have Tony Bennett coming back and redeeming me after you guys were saying you're not going to be happy with this Michigan result at the beginning of this show. And here we are. Well, Greg, we is, are, Greg's, Greg's going to be thrilled at this, uh, this final score hold. So how are you? I want to know right now, Greg, it's uh, the, the score is 70 to 68. There's six seconds left in the game. Virginia is up and they're going to the free throw line. You have a lot of money wagered on the live line for, uh, for Virginia. So at bet rivers, you took a whole bunch of bets out on Virginia to win the game. Um, when it was a, uh, Long odds, but you're also yeah. a Michigan fan. So where are Correct. you sitting right now in this moment? Juwan Howard just called a timeout. Uh, uh, Armand Franklin missed the first. He's got a chance to make it a three-point game, 5.7 seconds left. You, as a gambler and as a sports fan, where do you sit right now? This is tough. I'm putting you in the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of a kind, Rob. I'm a true maniac. And shout out to Armand Franklin for doing the most Armand Franklin thing possible and missing the free throw that would have clinched the game. But uh, I am a Michigan basketball fan who has seen enough Michigan basketball. In fact, I've seen every second of this Michigan basketball team this year to know this is not a good basketball team. They wanted to fool you that they were a good basketball team because Jalen Llewellyn and Kobe Bufkin made a couple jump shots in the first half. Terrence Williams made a couple jump shots in the first half. All these guys are like 32% shooters from three over their careers, not over the six-game season. They're not good shooters. Dinkwater kind of found its well in the second half. Long story short, I live bet Virginia Moneyline seven times over the course of the first hour and 15 minutes of this game before jumping on this show. If Virginia wins this game, Rob, I will responsibly have won around $800 at Bet Rivers. If they don't win this game, my team will have just secured a top three team in the country upset Massive resume boosting win. And there you go. Armand Franklin misses two. The most Armand Franklin thing I'm you could ever see. Do we have Jed Howard at the buzzer? Did he get fouled? No, we didn't. Game over. Virginia wins. There you go. $800 in my pocket, Rob. Thank you, Bet Rivers. There you go. There you go. Congratulations, Greg. And I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> I've got to be back. <laughs> go, Chug, I got to be back. The only thing you can do in that moment is chug that drink. Of, Greg, you're the biggest conundrum of fandom I've ever been around. Like, I like you, you went to Michigan State. You're a massive Michigan fan. You bet against them to go for Virginia, and you won a buku of money. Tell them I mean, who you root for in football. $800. That's two tanks of gas where you're at, right? Like, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's a few tanks of gas. <laughs> uh, yeah. As, as Rob alluded to, I'm a Michigan State football fan, also, T.O. It gets complicated. It gets very complicated. In fact, the biggest pain in my life right now, guys, I'm going to get a little personal here. I'm expecting my first child with my beautiful wife in about six months, and I have no you put idea. Seven money line bets on Tio. I have no idea this what I'm going to raise my. Plan. What am I going to raise my firstborn <laughs> child as a fan? Is my firstborn child a Michigan basketball fan? A Michigan State football fan? That child's going to be confused. Yeah, you, you better dive in and figure that one out. 
Yeah. I need a therapist is what I need. Like, can we talk about this game though? Can we talk about this result? So uh, <laughs> it's like, can we please stop talking here. about me? <laughs> I'm, I'm terrified right now. I'm in shambles. Uh, look, Michigan, as I just said, I don't think this team's a very good basketball team, but they played pretty damn good tonight. And to my eye, about 80% of their problems are on the offensive end. It just comes down to making shots. And I know that sounds like oversimplifying it, but all offseason, we were told that the reason last year's team struggled was because they didn't have enough shooting around Hunter Dickinson. Devontae Jones wasn't a, a shot threat off the dribble. Musa Diabate didn't give them any spacing at the four. They needed to go out and get guys who fit better around this gift of a, a third season from Hunter Dickinson that they were getting. So they go get Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton. They ride with their guy, Kobe Bufkin, who was a McDonald's All-American, who's going to blossom into a big sophomore breakout year. And they say Terrence Williams is a shooting upgrade from Musa Diabate at the four. Through six games, that's been as disastrous as it can be. Like I said, those three guys are shooting a combined, I think, 25% from three on the season. There is no spacing. Tonight, they made shots, and tonight, they looked pretty damn good. 45 points in the first half against the Virginia Tony Bennett defense. So, Rob, hmm. it, does this team's problem just come down simply to these guys got to make shots? I, I mean... You say simply you got to make shots, but I think that's that's a pretty big problem, right? That's not, you know, we talk about this with a lot of different teams where you when you can't shoot, you can't create space. We spent the last two shows on Field of 68 After Dark talking about how because there are no shooters for North Carolina because you have those guys in the corner, there's no space for RJ Cole and Caleb Love to come off. Like it's, uh, you got to make shots is, is that's not a small problem. It, it, it is, let me rephrase it. Hey, it's North Carolina is not passing it. It didn't matter what shooters. Well, no, no, it's not. not what, what I'm saying, like, if you don't have, if you're not making shots, that's an issue. If you have shooters, right, right. But I don't know if you necessarily would qualify the guys on Michigan as shooters. And to me, that's the biggest. That, that's that's a pretty big problem. Which is why they got a lot of open looks in the first half. And I don't think that Tony Bennett would have been too upset about the threes that they were getting. Right. Once you hit a couple, it's like, yeah, you got to close out. You can't let these guys get confidence and get going. But. It wasn't, I think that's kind of what you live with, right? And I thought it was really interesting that about midway through the first half, Virginia, there's two things that Virginia does defensively, right? Outside of just the pack line. They hard hedge every single ball screen. Mm -hmm. They really take you off of that line. And then they double the post on the catch. Mm -hmm. And they that, Which they didn't that. do that much tonight. Yeah, they didn't do it to Hunter after the guy hit the first couple of threes. And they were like, all right, we're not doubling the post. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think Michigan is better than what they've been. Right. And I think that there is still room for them to grow and room for them to improve, especially if Jet Howard plays the way they did in the first half tonight. Um, I don't know if this is a team that is a a top 25 team, and I don't know if this is a team that's going to finish in the top half of uh, a Big Ten that looks like is really good this year. Is that saying too much? I, too I, think, I think Michigan will be fine towards the middle of the Big Ten, like which, which probably – According to how things have gone here in the early going, that's probably a tournament berth. So, whatever. But I think a lot of the, tonight's game had to do with how good Virginia was offensively, and those guys are finally coming together. Like Caden Shedrick is a big seven foot talented dude who just hasn't been able to figure himself out until this season, and now he's pretty good. Reese Speakman is a problem. Preach the gospel of Reach Speakman. He is that good. He's that quick. You saw his explosiveness on that dunk where he drove down the middle of the lane. What do you end up with? 18, 5, and 4. And you have five assists in that offense where it is moving at a snail's pace. You're finding guys, and you're doing it within that offense. It's not necessarily all that easy to do, 
uh, because you have to break some guys down at the end of the clock and then figure something out. Reese Beekman's a problem. He has elite quickness, and because they play that pace they do, it makes him even more difficult to guard because he's slow, slow, slow. Bang. When he decides to go, it's a real hard change of pace, and it's difficult to guard. Uh, Vanderplas was a good addition, too. This Virginia team is quality. Uh, number three you, you know what makes them really good? that good. You know what makes them really good, T.O., is they have they have two point guards. Reese Beekman is a point guard. He plays off the ball because Kihei's there, but he is a point guard. He's a guy mm-hmm. that can make plays. He's averaging five assists. He averaged five assists last year. He is a point guard at mm-hmm. six foot three. And I, I'm not going to run through the list now, but if you go back and you look at all of the teams that have won a national title since 2009, since the North Carolina team that had Ty Lawson at the point, right? It was two, 2010, 11, 12. The only team that didn't have two point guards on the roster uh, or two point guards in the starting lineup was 2018 Villanova, where they had the national player of the year at the point and four different guys that averaged like three assists a game because all they do is drive and kick. That mm. You need multiple playmakers on the floor to win a national title. And that's yep. what we got. That's what we saw. With, uh, Absolutely. With and, and a four-man in Vanderplas that can make decisions. Jaden Gardner, who can make mm-hmm. decisions. Armand Franklin, up, up until tonight, shooting 42% from three. He is an every-other-year dude. Get this. His freshman year at Indiana, 26%. Sophomore year, 42%. Last season, 29%. This year, 42%. Like, he's going to have a good year. He wasn't great, great tonight. But him being able to figure those things out and play within Tony Bennett's offense – like I, I feel like he's just an added prop, added guy, right? So I think he's, uh, I think he is quality. I think this entire team, it's a they're a national championship contender. Yeah, I, I agree. They're they're ranked number three, and that's not because their name is Virginia. By the way, they just showed a graphic. Uh, the Big Ten lost five games tonight. The only games that they won were against the three worst teams in the ACC so far. In the ACC Big Ten so, Challenge, as uh, Rob, as are T-O, you? As T-O what's, what, what's the record? What's the record? I, I don't mean to cut you off, Robert, but uh, are, are we able to go into Schmedium Ten territory here? I call them the Little Ten in the summer, and then after two good weeks, I moved it up to the Schmedium Ten. Is that a fair? I don't think they're the Big Ten. I don't think they're the Big Ten right now. I think they're so the you're not going to medium. You're going between small and medium. I'm Is going there five tiers? I, I would say there's four tiers. I think you go. No, the, I think that they're the, my take is they're the big 10 right now and they become the schmedium 10 as everybody else gets better. That's why they're winning all these non-conference games. Uh, you know, like if you look at it right now, like Tio's take about this isn't wrong, right? Like, yeah, I think you went a little too far because you know, it was, uh, it, it, you got this to. Is too much. This is too much TL love for me on one night. Come on. <laughs> you know, we've gone bananas. I, I'm not accustomed to all this love. <laughs> No, I mean, the, the Big Ten is really good right now because they have a lot of veteran teams that go. And I, one last point on, on Villanova, since we're talking about veteran teams, like that that place was loud tonight. That place was Virginia, Virginia right? Yeah. yeah, Virginia. What did I say? Villanova. Yeah, oh, Virginia. Sorry. Um, that, that place was loud tonight. Uh, Michigan was rolling in the first half, but they were up by, what was it, 11 points at the half? Yep. When you're Virginia and like the pace that you play, 11, an 11-point deficit is a pretty big deficit. And they didn't get rattled, and they came back, and they just went possession by possession, and they weren't forcing things, and they didn't rush it, and they didn't get out of what they do, and they came back, and they won on the road against the first-team All-American, against a team that was playing great in the first half. Um, it, that's They gave a 23-second half points. Like, that was a really, really, really impressive second half. And just because it wasn't something where they won it by, like, 25, I, I don't think that we should – underestimate what that was on the road like it, it's to you've played on the road in some of these crazy but it's hard to do stuff like that on the road 
Doesn't matter who you're playing against. It, it is, but their their composure that kind of takes the, the air out of the gym, even though it's crazy. Like because they're just like, well, we're just going to use all 30 seconds. It's kind of like when teams play Bellarmine, who mm-hmm. kept up with Kentucky the first half. Like it just kind of slow and slow and slow. You want to get into it. The fans want to go it, but it's like playing against a football team that runs the ball all the time. Like you're not going to have that many possessions, so sometimes it's hard to take off on them, right? Like that's that's Virginia basketball, the strongest running game in the country. Mm-hmm. Rob, you uh, you just referred to Hunter Dickinson as a first team All American. Can I say something a little spicy as a Michigan oh, fan here? Listen, oh, are are we sure we can call him that anymore? Like, and I know this is not his fault. Hunter was great tonight. He was fantastic, especially in the first half. I mean, they had an eleven point lead in large part because of Hunter Dickinson and the gravity he brought to that game, and some other guys mm-hmm. made some shots. But it was him. But. You're not taking him over Zach Eady right now. You're not taking him over Chris Murray right now. You're not taking him over Trace Jackson Davis right now. And this man has floated through a lot of Michigan struggles this season. He showed up tonight. He was pointing at Tony Bennett tonight, doing the two small thing tonight. We got big game Hunter tonight. But I think we got to dial back the first team all everything stuff with Hunter because he's not there every single night. And this team, you can't get away with that. Well, Another thing too, Hunter Dickinson. Like, if you're getting guarded by Ben Vanderplas, who's every bit of six eight, maybe can't go nine for seventeen, getting single covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, you're a big fella. Like, you, there's not as much forgiveness for or percentages are concerned. You need to be up in that sixty five range, especially if they're single covering you and you're a first team All American. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't if we were doing an All American team right now. I wouldn't put Hunter Dickinson there. I was just kind of saying it for effect. Once you've been a first team All American, I think it's fair to label you as a first team All American. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's you're 100% right. Yeah. Big game hunter. The only time he doesn't show up, it feels like, is when he says he's going to beat a team by 20. Yeah, and get 30 piece. No comment on that. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long up and down year for Michigan fans like myself out there. But when you bet at Bet Rivers, you can pack your pockets a little and feel a little bit better, folks. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move to one other ACC Big Ten result, and then I'll do a quick round the horn with you guys because there's a lot of games we're just not going to get to tonight. Uh, but that's what happens on the field of 68 after dark when you are joined by such great guests like Cam Jones and Coleman Hawkins who had monstrous nights tonight. If you missed those interviews, you can watch them tomorrow and anytime you want to on the field of 68 YouTube channel. But we got to talk about what Maryland did to Louisville tonight, because for lack of for lack of a better term, T.O., Maryland beat the shit out of Louisville. (laughs) They did. And if we're if we're going to give all this praise to the ACC, T.O., let me get my one victory tonight. Okay, Maryland looks pretty damn good. Louisville also looks like the worst high major team in the country. Uh, So it was this more about Maryland or was it just about how bad Louisville's been, T.O.? The latter. The latter. Uh, Kevin Willard's doing a nice job early. And Dante Scott is, he's been a good player for a few years now. It's not like this is coming out of nowhere to people that have been looking at Maryland, uh, even under Turgeon and Danny Manning for whatever kind of season it was last year. Like he's a good player and they've had good players. It's, but this was more about Louisville. They have one functioning guard. They're playing Jalen Withers at the two at times. Mike's like, they've got some guys that, that just, that roster doesn't fit together. And look, I remember Louisville in the national championship game not 10 years ago, guys. Like, I, I remember I remember Rick Pitino's Louisville. Like, I, these, this is a proud program. You have the ability to basically pick which guy you want out of the portal and you didn't go do it, 
which is a little alarming. And now you're 0-7 along with Cal. And I am going to go out on a limb here and say that Louisville's resources for basketball are better than Cal's. So, like, that needs to, you know, there's a lot of adjustments. Resources for basketball might be the, like, the among the highest in the country. Might be probably the top five in terms of, like, what they're, they're, they they can spend on college basketball. Absolutely. Probably top 10. It's a hell of a hope court environment. It's one of the most electric, like, pre games, game atmospheres there are in the country when they're good, but they just, they're just not. And, but now that, that this NCAA stuff is out of the way, Hummel pointed that out tonight. Like, now they could probably recruit and go after guys that they really want to get, but I mean they've been striking out even in high school now. Like, I I I, dis- I disagree with that to a point because you could have there would have been players that would have come in and the guards that were probably mid major caliber players that would have said I'll take the risk on potentially having a postseason ban to go and play in the ACC. Right? Mm-hmm. If you had, if you had honestly, Tio. I think if you were on that roster, it would make them better just because you have, would have somebody else that was actually a guard. Too much T.O. Right? love. Now I'm they're, getting a little guards. No, this is not love. It, like uh, I'm just saying that you're better than Masterpiece's son, right? Like That's really all I'm saying is, is there would actually be a functioning guard on that roster. You got a guy that's a walk-on that couldn't see minutes at Tennessee State last season, okay? like I, I think, to me, it is, it is almost impossible to fairly judge what Kenny – pain is as a coach right now because the roster construction of this team is just not a functioning roster you can't and, and we talked about how when many guards get you, that job about, though when did he get that job but what was it april yeah with plenty like, of time. he had time he had time to attack you had plenty like, of time not, yeah but but that's part of being a coach recognizing your no roster no i get it news. i get i trust me i get it but and and i don't think that it's something that should be acceptable and it's definitely a knock on him in terms of what he's done putting this team together but at the same time it's very hard for me to draw sweeping conclusions when you just don't have the pieces that you need and i I don't know. It, it's bad. I, I I hope it doesn't get worse. I also don't know what they're trying to accomplish with the guys they have out there either. Yeah. Like there's no general direction offensively. Because like, they, they have one guard. What are you supposed to do? Or we have, we're going to, we're going to post all four guys up at the exact well, here, same time. Here's another thing too. Like if, if say you have one guard, Jalen Withers can bring the ball up the court. Doesn't make him a point guard, set something up to get a post touch for Curry and then cut off guys. Like do some split action. Like after you entered the post, do something like there's nothing mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm, I'm a little disappointed in how things have gone so far. Can we talk about Maryland though? <laughs> we, 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 we sure can. They because I think they've been really like I don't think we're paying enough attention to them to how good they can be. They they play a style that we've seen have success in college basketball in terms of like a bunch of guys that are all switchable pieces. They have a really good point guard in Jameer Young. Dante Scott has taken a step forward. They told uh. Was I think Hummel told the story today that basically what the the first practice that Dante walked in, um, Kevin Willard made him practice in a 25-pound weight vest. And Dante was like, what the hell is this? And he said, all right, see how you feel when you take that off. And he was like, I feel a lot better. He's like, now imagine if you lost 25 pounds, how good you feel. And that's Mm. why why he's taking a step forward because he lost a bunch of weight. And I think he is – I think his improvement is is real. I think Akeem Hart is playing really, really well. And at the end of the day, like – we're we're seeing what's happening with Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall right now. Like, it's not pretty there right now. Um, and I think what Kevin Willard was able to accomplish at Seton Hall should not be something that is overlooked. And I think that he's going to turn this 
this Maryland thing around quicker than I think many of us thought. Like I, I'm, I'm buying them as a top 20 team, maybe a top 15 team in college basketball. I think they're that good. Rob, I want to just say, I love Kevin Willard. I want to preface this statement with this. What exactly did he accomplish at Seton Hall though? He got them to a tournament, man. Do you understand how bad those facilities are? Do you understand how hard it is to recruit to Newark, New Jersey? Sorry, Dagan, but it is. I love Newark. Like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's not like the fact that he got that that team to being like top five in the Big East is a pretty impressive accomplishment. If you know like what they're dealing with in the Big East, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I know he didn't he didn't make any runs, and there were some of those things might have been like his fault in terms of. You know, you got a good team and you've taken the Maryland job before the NCAA tournament started. Maybe that's not a great idea. Maybe that's not a great look. But um, I, I overlooking the fact that he was able to turn Seton Hall into like a top, a consistent top 30 team in America is is something that when was that last time that happened was what, like PJ Colissimo, yep. right? It's commendable. It was, before, it was before Greg was a was a twinkle in his daddy's eye. Hey, I, I know PJ. Come on. <laughs> I'm a historian, Rob. I know PJ. <laughs> So am I? My completely off base. No, but they've had you... talent. They they've had talent before. Why do you think I bet a hot dog suit bet on uh, going <laughs> to the Final Four? Like they had talent last but you year. Made that it's bet just... on Mark Turgeon. Yeah, well, that's right. But it's not like he walked into a bare cupboard. Like it, he, like there's dudes yeah. there. Yeah, there's dudes there, and now you have yeah, a guy that like, can coach dudes. And, and all, like, like Turgeon, why, why, obviously. I'll... Turf, he's, he's, obviously he's obviously got players. 30%. He also he hired a bunch of guys with DMV connections. Like I think he's going to continue to get players. No, there's no doubt about that. That that's where I'm 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 in there. I, I'm in on him big time because he has really gone after the DMV, and they're so talented. There's so much talent there. Guys from the DMV want to go to Maryland, or they want to go to Georgetown. Not now, but yeah, Willard is to starting to turn. Willard is, or they wanted to go to Georgetown. Past tense. Like when I was coming up, guys were like, oh, Georgetown, that's big time. Now it's like, well, we'll transfer to Georgetown from USC Upstate. But but Maryland <laughs> is like kids from the DMV. They see that crowd. They see how passionate. Like there's a lot of talent there. If Willard's able to take over that place, get kids from DeMatha, like DeMatha's a factory. If you're able to get kids from there consistently to go to Maryland, I mean, you're going to be in pretty good shape. That's the reason I'm buying him going forward. And we all know Willard can coach. Uh, and he's going to continue to get talent. There's no reason this isn't going to be a continuous thing uh, with the Terrapins. I think Jameer Young is the first player from DeMatha right. to, to end up at Maryland since uh, since I want to say it was the class of, tw- of 2001 when Travis Garrison. That's right. Travis Garrison, who used to have a podcast on our network. So, um, yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah, developing that pipeline ago. and and – reestablishing that relationship is something that's going to be really important. But even if you don't, there's, pl- there's, there's so much talent around there. Like you don't, you don't have to go through DeMatha to be able to get Maryland. No, but I mean, grabbing a kid from DeMatha is never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Um, never a bad thing. So yeah. the, the, the seeds are there. I'll give you that with what Willard has done and just the shift into the DeMatha territory. But to me, I think it's fair to say through what we've seen through seven games, the biggest reason this team is better is they got a couple guys who are just playing better on the court than I think anybody expected them to be. One is Jameer Young. The other is Julian Reese. Like he's really made the freshman to sophomore leap that I still don't think anybody's really talking about, but there's a lot of other guys in this. Goodman was firing him up last year, wasn't he? Reese. Yeah. Yeah, Preseason. He definitely was. And then he didn't have a very good year. So I think we all kind of forgot about him, but he's been fantastic. Second leading scorer right now. The Where I draw the line on everything you're bringing with this though, Rob is I just still think, it's too early to make any sweeping conclusions on 
this is due to it's not Turgeon and now it's Willard. Maybe long term, you're right. We might get there. I'm not saying that won't happen. But here's the teams that Maryland has played this season. Niagara, Western Carolina, Binghamton, St. Louis, Miami in the post NIL era where I don't know how much you've seen of these big NIL guys. Not exactly trying very much this season, Rob. Coppin State, Louisville. Like, have they beaten anybody with a pulse? Maybe Miami, but like Miami's Miami's a tournament team, and St. Louis is a top thirty team, and they drilled them. What's this team's record with Mark Turgeon this year, though? Uh, probably six and two, but I don't think that they're beating teams as impressively as they are. I don't think they beat St. Louis with Mark Turgeon. I think that I think that St. Louis gets them. I don't think that they beat Miami with Mark Turgeon. Okay. That's just me, though. But it's also like I, I'm saying this as. If you go back and watch the the Big Ten preview stuff we did, like I'm I'm in on Maryland. You remember that T.O. on our pod? Like I I I said that I think Maryland is like the sleeper team. I think mm. I had them top five, and I think I had them fifth in the preseason power rankings. So all this is doing is confirming preseason biases that I had. Um, right? I'm like all I'm doing is I'm taking taking my victory lap, and, and and you're right. It could end up being too early for that. But I do think that this is I'm just I'm buying that program in general. And so that's fair. I think that they're yeah, but great win today against Louisville. How about Wake Forest uh, playing Hell yeah. winning at Wisconsin? Let's uh, let's wrap because we are over time. But let's do a quick round the horn, like 30 Wake seconds Forest. each. Give me give me one other thing that impressed you, because there were results in this ACC Big Ten challenge that we did not get to. Wake Forest beats Wisconsin, uh, Iowa. Uh, Chris Murray had a monster game as well. So let's just go quickly around the horn. Clemson, like you said, T.O. Penn State. Uh, T.O., you go first. Give me one thing that stood out that we didn't get to tonight. Uh, Wake Forest, Tyree Appleby, Florida transfer, two-time transfer. Now at Wake Forest goes for 32 and five assists at Wisconsin. They couldn't keep that man in front. And what better coach than Steve Forbes to grab a transfer that everybody kind of overlooks and then turn him into a stud? Tyree Appleby's that guy for Wake Forest this year. Good win there. It's always tough to play at the Cole Center. What did uh, who did they lose to? Wake Forest. They lost to someone. They're seven and one, but they took they took a bad they loss. They lost to Loyola Marymount. Yeah, they took a bad loss on the way. But there, I think that yeah. Forbes is good, man. He can coach. Imagine if he went to a program that had NIL. <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> is there something in my throat? Oh, excuse you. Yeah. How about Chris Murray tonight? For Iowa. I know it was Georgia. The Tech better Murray. The better Murray. 31 24 assists, I, two blocks. I hate that so much, TL. I hate the that better that Murray. So much. <laughs> hey, Iowa, you got to keep the better Murray. Oh, you're a sicko, TL. You're a sicko. <laughs> hey, by the way, Keegan Murray averaging 10.2 points a game. Not bad for a rookie, if you think about is it. Not bad for a rookie. supposed to be bad? Is, like, is that horrible? He's off the bench. I, I I predicted he averaged twelve points a game, and people got really upset in Iowa. No, they got upset because you said that he was two hundred and five pounds, and you said that he was like had no upside, and like you said he was unathletic. Can't and score because he's unathletic. He's got ten points a game because other guys are creating stuff for him. Can he can he score, T.O.? If somebody else gets him one, hey T.O., how many points per game did you average as a rookie in the NBA? Uh, not that's what Iowa fans are going to come at you and say now. Like that's going to be their that. response. I'm now. fine with that. I'm fine hey, with that. But listen, that being I, said, I was right. Thank you, Iowa. I have, no, all, what, all I'm here the, is crickets. We don't need to. We don't need to relitigate this point. We don't need to relitigate this point. But like what you said, made how many? How many? Sense. How many crew league championships does Keegan Murray have? How many? Crew, <laughs> how many crew league? Oh, San Diego State. 
San Diego State uh, just hit a three with two seconds left to uh, to take a 71-69 nice lead on UC Irvine. Um, what a no, but your, your point your point on that situation was actually correct. Like if Iowa Thank fans you. listened to what you said, your point was actually like factually correct. Um, how Listen, about I'm a, I actually overestimated him. I I'm a big TO guy, but I just wanted on the record I stand with Iowa fans. Just, <laughs> okay, so we'll come full circle on that at some point. Uh, as you mentioned, Rob Kentucky wild game tied at 21 at halftime with Bellerman. They go on a 21 to five run to pull away late. Uh, I think the jury's still out on Kentucky. I'm not even going to get us into a Kentucky conversation. We'll save that for shows later in this week. Uh, I will, because I want to reprove to the world that I am still a TO guy, even though I stand with Iowa fans. Uh, my shout out of the night, Hunter Tyson, man, 47 minutes tonight, 24 points all in the second half. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Brownell was drawing up some good stuff, but Tyson had some tough little baseline fadeaways when that was a one-point game that stretched it out to a, a three-possession lead late in the second half. So Tyson... He was, he was really good, man. He was really he's good been tonight. really, really good. He was great tonight. So And that was with Chase Hunter, who's averaging like 19-5-4, going one for 11. Like, they did it without their second-best player playing well. Like, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty solid. And that was a crazy night of Tuesday night college basketball, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for joining us and watching it, experiencing the journey with us. We will be back again tomorrow night here on the Field of 68 After Dark. For Rob Doster, for Terrence Oglesby, my name is Greg Waddell. We'll see you tomorrow. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.